0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, today, we're wrapping up our series uh, called Kill the Spider. Uh, we've talked about insecurity, we've talked about fear, uh, we've talked about condemnation, and today we're going to wrap it up by talking about discouragement. We've killed the spider, we've shaken, shook the snake, we've um, uh, we reminded the rooster. And, uh, and, and I told my kids yesterday, I was telling them, like, I was like, I don't have an animal this week. Uh, it's, it's not even about an animal, it's about a baby. And they said, well, what are you going to call it? I said, I don't know, maybe birth the baby. And my son Cole thought I said burp. And so today is burp the baby. <laughs> and that'll got to make sense here in just a minute. Um, talking about discouragement. Discouragement is a subtle, a subtle spire. Uh, it... it, it on the surface, it doesn't seem deadly. It doesn't seem like it's something that would really take you out. But, but the goal of, of discouragement is way beyond just putting you in a bad mood. Like, it's a lot bigger than that. In fact, the goal of discouragement, this spider is not only trying to put you in a bad mood, but it's trying to take you out of trusting God's plan for your life. It's trying to discourage. Instead of having courage, it's trying to take that away. It's not try, just trying to derail you temporarily. It's aiming to limit the impact that God wants to do in your life and through your life. And so discouragement, the, the reason it's such so subtle is because it shows up in all sorts of different ways. Uh, discouragement isn't, isn't obvious. It shows up when, when somebody, it, it, it shows up when, when what people say to you, and it also shows up when they don't say anything to you. You know what I mean? Like, it shows up when people, you know, uh, when, when people say, hey, man, you know, it's like, ah, uh, you know, I, I don't think that this is going to really work out or something. It's like, oh, man, discouragement. But then it also shows up when they're like, they don't say anything to you. Like, you lay your life out there, and you get no sort of, like, appreciation. And discouragement shows up. It shows up when people do something, but it also shows up when people don't do something. And it can, the thing about discouragement, it can hit you hard when you're winning, as much as it will when you're losing, when things are going great, it'll 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 attack you, and when things are going south, it will attack you. It's like it's like um, you'll be you'll be going about your business, right? And uh, and it'll be like, man, it, it doesn't matter whether or not I take my kids to church. It's not working. What's even the point, right? Like that that'll happen. Uh, discouragement will come to you, and it's like. Other people don't seem to try nearly as hard as I do, and they don't struggle with the, with the stuff that I do nearly as much. I guess what I'm doing just isn't working. Like, what's the, what's the point? Because discouragement, what it tries to do is it tries to displace hope in your life and leave you feeling like what I'm doing is not working. Like, what, what's, so, so what's the point of it anyway? Like, it, it, Discouragement is subtle comes at you in a lot of different ways but it's also inevitable like the question is not will you be discouraged I can answer that question for you and not prophetically yes (laughs) that's the answer to the question will you be discouraged yes you will something is going to happen in your life that's going to knock you backwards and take you down and and you're going to be discouraged I, I I fight discouragement fairly often. This isn't something I'm proud to admit, uh, but it's something that's real. And, and, and I want to be, I don't want to be one of those preachers who get up here and it's like, oh man, everything's great in my life and God's moving and bless God, I'm on the mountain and I'm never coming down. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I remember it's just about a little over a month ago, man. I was like so low. Like discouragement, had smacked me around. Discouragement had eaten me for breakfast, dude. Like, it was taking me out. And I didn't, like, this sounds horrible, but I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to play. I didn't want to sing music. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to do anything. Discouragement's just like, we're going five rounds, man. And it's just, it's got me down on the mat, and it's like smothering me. And I remember, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. I remember, matter of fact, it was one of the songs we did today. It was in the middle of Take Courage. Um, we had we'd gone through rehearsal, and I'm kind of in that same just funk, you know. You get in that funk, and it's like, I don't know. Just, you're just going through the motions. That's what I was doing. I was just going through the motions. And I remember it as clear as day, man. We are in the middle of that song, and we're in the middle of the chorus during church, right? Like, like I, the, the spider's talking to me during church, and I'm just playing it, and I'm trying to get into it, and I'm singing, and, I'm just, and, and I promise you, there was a moment, and this is what I hope happens for you, dude. I don't know if it'll happen today or if it'll happen when you leave or it'll happen in the middle of this week. But there was a moment in that song. I have my guitar in my hands, and I'm, and I'm playing, and it's like, take courage, my heart. You know, stay steadfast, my soul. Uh, he's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. And something—the only way I can describe it, dude—is like God, the Holy Spirit, just took his fist and punched me right in the gut, and I broke. Like there was a breaking in my spirit, um, where where literally like I started crying. You may have seen it, and you're like, "What's going on with Pastor Josh?" Well, I was like, God was dealing with me in that moment. It was awesome because all of a sudden that discouragement in my life broke and was replaced by something else, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But 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 God like punched me in the gut, and I literally like we're playing. I don't know if anybody saw this, but I'm like, I've got my guitar, and I go. <laughs> Like, I just lurched forward, because I'm serious. That's the only way I can describe it. It felt like he just whammed me right there in the gut. And I, the rest of the song, I'm just a mess. Like, I've got, I've got ugly cry face, okay? Like, I'm just, and I'm trying to play, and I'm playing the wrong chords, and I'm even in the right time, and I'm thinking, God, this sounds horrible, but I just can't, I, I, I could barely compose myself, because in that moment, something happened. And, and the spider of discouragement, for, for, for that moment, he was silenced. And I hope that happens for you today. So let's get a working, working definition of discouragement. Um, discouragement is the gap between what I expect and what I experience. Discouragement is the, is the, is the, 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 the gap between what I expect and what I experience. And when that when there's separation between what I'm expecting and what I'm experiencing, the spider will fill that gap with discouragement. And it'll go something like this. Hey, God wouldn't let you go through this if he loved you. you he, this is what you expect. Some of you, it's like, I got married and I expected this, but my experience has been this. There's a gap between what I expect and what I experience, and now the spider is filling that gap with discouragement well, you must not be a a good enough husband, and and this wouldn't be happening if you were stronger, and this wouldn't be happening if you were just a better Christian. And here's the reality, okay? Here's the truth, all right? Most of life is lived in the gap between what I expect and what I experience. Most of life is lived in in that space between my expectation and my experience, and if you, if, you, if you allow the spider to fill the gap with discouragement, eventually you'll give up hope. And eventually, eventually you'll throw in the towel and quit. So how do you manage the gap between, between what I'm hoping for, what I'm expecting, my anticipation, and then what real life looks like? Some people pretend that this gap doesn't exist. Some people ignore, they choose to ignore the gap. It's like, it's it's, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there, right? It's just like denial, 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 and it's just not a river in Egypt. It's actually a, a perspective you can take. You can pretend that it's all fine, it's all good, but if you hide your discouragement, your hope will still die. It'll just die in silence. So you can't just ignore... The gap, because ignoring the gap doesn't produce, produce transformation. It just postpones your frustration. So some people ignore it. Some people give up in the gap. Some people quit in the middle of the gap. Like they get to the gap and it's just too hard and they're so tired. so tired of being let down. I'm so tired of getting my hopes up and only to have my hopes dashed. So I just give up. God gave me this promise, this word, but my real life isn't realizing that. So I'll just give up. And you start living like this. Well, I'm going to hope for the best, but I'm going to expect the worst. And see what happens is when we, when we just take that, that, that attitude. Well, he, here's what we do. We, we, we see our expectation and we lower our expectation to the level of our experience. But here's what happens to me. Listen to me. When you lower your expectation to the level of your experience, you have just eliminated God's activity in your life. Because not only does the spider want to fill the gap with discouragement, God wants to fill the gap with something else. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is it that God wants to fill the gap with? How do you, how do you manage the gap between what I expect and what I'm experiencing? Well, discouragement wants to fill that gap with all the, 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 the talking of the spider to you. But God also wants to fill the gap. And God's plan, I think, is better. So if you have a Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, we're going to look at a lady named Leah. We're going to look at the life of Leah because something happens in her life. She's an incredibly, I would imagine, uh, going through a battle with discouragement. And then she, she has a perspective shift when something happens, and I want you to see this, let me give you a little backstory. Those of you who are not familiar with uh, the, the the history of the Bible, so if you remember, there's a guy named Abraham. Uh, if that makes any like. Rings any bells at all? This guy named Abraham that God calls said, "I'm going to make a great nation out of you." And uh, he has he has a son. Actually, has a couple sons, but he has one son named Isaac, who's like the son of promise, right? Yeah, another one, Ishmael, but it's like a you know got kicked out. But anyway, um, so so Isaac comes, and then Isaac has uh, a couple sons, and, and one of those names Jacob, and uh, and Jacob uh, is is he's he's looking for a wife. Okay? And, uh, and his dad tells him before he dies, he says, hey, when you get ready to take a wife, I don't want you to look for one of the women around here. I want you to go back to your where your mom's from. I want you to go to your mom's hometown and find a wife there. And, uh, and in fact, like, go to your, your Uncle Layton's house. He's got a couple of daughters. You might want to pick one of those. And yes, that he was looking for a wife among his cousins. And that's really <laughs> weird. Okay? We don't do that. Much, much we don't do that now. Okay? We don't do that here. That's Keep in mind, this is an ancient culture. It totally made sense, all right? But check this out. All right. Um, So, uh, Genesis chapter 29, verse 16. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Now, we're not exactly sure. Bible scholars don't know exactly what weak eyes means. It could mean, like, you know... She was not attractive, but it could also just mean she had, like, puppy dog eyes. I mean, it could be delicate eyes. We don't know. What we do know is that whatever she was and whoever she was and whatever she looked like, when the, when the author of Genesis decides to describe her, she was not as attractive as Rachel. Okay? We know that Leah had weak eyes, whatever that means, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. So whatever it means, uh, Leah is not described the same way as her sister. That's all I want you to to see there. The the next verse, verse 18, says that Jacob was actually in love with Rachel, not Leah. He loved Rachel. But it was the custom of the day that, that you would not marry your younger daughter before you married your older daughter. Like if you were a dad, you wanted to get your older daughter married first and then your younger daughter. And so Jacob makes a deal with Laban to marry Rachel, but on like the wedding night, Laban switches the brides and, and Jacob ends up marrying Leah, and they go do the wedding night, and he wakes up the next morning expecting it to be Rachel, but it's Leah. And I don't know how you get tricked like that, but um, but that's messed up. And so uh, Jacob gets ticked, and he goes to Laban, and he says, What's the deal? I did the, I did my end of the, the bargain the deal here, and I was supposed to have Rachel, and you gave me Leah. And Laban says, Well, you know... Uh, Work for me some more and I'll give you Rachel And Jacob was so in love with her He said okay And so Jacob uh, waited a week and he married Rachel And so now Jacob has two wives Yes and they are sisters The real sister wives of the Bible Um, You need to read the Bible Like it's some jacked up people in there Here's what I want you to see Imagine Leah's disappointment Imagine Leah's discouragement She had waited her whole life to finally have a husband. And now she does. And, and her husband prefers her sister. She's been compared to her sister her entire life. She's been constantly, you're not as pretty, you're not as good, you're not as smart, you're not as, you're not as, uh, as, 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 as valuable as Rachel. And so she finally gets what she's been waiting for. But what she's been waiting for doesn't match up with what the experience actually is. There's a gap. For Leah. what she had hoped for a loving husband who who loved her and valued her that's not what she's experiencing look at look what happens the lord sees this verse 31 saw that Leah was not loved he enabled her to conceive but Rachel remained childless this is the, oh gosh the the spider of discouragement is so sneaky cuz he'll do he'll work on the same people in the same situation in different ways check this out like this is a perfect picture of the spider Rachel has something that Leah wants, a loving husband, and she can't, uh, uh, Rachel has something Leah wants that she can't have, a loving husband, but Leah's about to experience something that Rachel wants, but she can't have, a child. So both people are looking at the other one thinking, I wish I had their life. That's what the spider of discouragement will do to you, man. Like, it'll cause you to look at somebody else and say, see, I wish I had that life, my life. My, that would raise up to my expectations. But they're looking at you saying the same thing. Well, I wish I had their life. They've got it all together. And the spider works this way. He plays both sides. It's just, it's just crazy. But, but Leah finds out she's, gonna, she's, gonna, she's pregnant. And so you can imagine now, okay, the, the excitement that's coming. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a baby. And, and that culture, having the firstborn child, especially if that firstborn child could be a son, Leah's thinking, man, if I could just, please, God, please, 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 God, you, please, please let me have a son. Let me have a son. Check this out, verse 32. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And look what she says. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery Surely my husband will love me now. Now, finally. Okay, he'll love me now. Now that I've given him a son, this gap will close. And my experience will raise up to my expectation. Everything's going to be good. But look what happens in verse 33. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved. So the first child didn't close the gap. In fact, the gap got a little bit wider somehow. That didn't bring Jacob back in, like it didn't bring him into a relationship with her that she longed for. So she says, "The Lord gave me this one too." So she named him Simeon. The first one didn't work. Maybe the second one will. Look what happens. Verse thirty-four. Again, she conceived, and then when she gave birth to a son, she said, "Now at last, my husband will become attached to me because I have born him three sons." Can you hear the longing in her voice? Yeah. The longing for that—that that what she has hoped for. That expectation to be reality. But the reality is the gap just continues to get wider and wider and wider. And it's just crushing her. And discouragement is, discouragement is eating her for breakfast. But look what happens. Verse 35. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time, I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And she stopped having kids. I want to ask you a real simple question this morning. What are you going to do this time? What are you going to do this time? Leah says, This time I will praise the Lord. I don't want to oversimplify, I don't want to downplay your discouragement, but we live as if our discouragement is is determined and is a product of our difficulties. We live like Leah. If only this would happen in my life, then I would finally be fulfilled. If only my situation would change. I feel so helpless. And if the situation would just change, and don't get me wrong, man, sometimes things happen in our life that are so hard and so difficult, it knocks the wind right out of you. And it's just like you, you do feel helpless. But, but I want you to see this. This is something I want you to see. Praise allows us to disconnect discouragement at the source, by choosing to call God good in spite of our situation. Praise, praise rehearses your past victories and fills you with the confidence of the faithfulness of God. Because you're, you're able to say, oh wait, 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 God did it for me then, he'll do it for me. Again, praise refocuses your mind on God, and when you become a person of praise, your problems fade in the light of his promise. See, praise, praise starves disappointment and grows gratitude. Praise, Leah says, this, this time. How many of us are living in last time? We're living in last time. We're living in the failure of yesterday. We're living in the, in the circumstances of, 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 of years gone by. But I can't do anything about last time. I can't change last time. I can't make him love me last time. I can't make him be attached to me last time. But this time, she says, I can praise the Lord. We live in last time or we live in next time. And listen to me, hope and and anticipation, those are good, but there's so much about next time that's completely outside of my control. It's, it's, It's God territory. Next time is God territory. So we've got to find the courage to live in this time how do you live in this time and see what the spider will tell you is the spider will tell you you got to do something big you got to do something outrageous you got to do something that crashes through the ceiling and listen to me that is a lie all that is is trying to get you not to do the simple thing that you know to do the truth is the hardest part of understanding what to do isn't knowing what to do it's doing what you already know oswald chambers i posted this on facebook Last week, he says this in, 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 in My Utmost for His Highest. Check this quote out. Even the smallest bit of obedience opens heaven, and the deepest truths of God immediately become yours. Yet God will never reveal more truth about himself to you until you have obeyed what you already know. Amen. Leah says, This time, this time, this time, I will. Praise the Lord. We think that pray, We think that praise and worship is an add-on that we do right before the sermon, so that we have some music and people will get like a little bit excited and wake up in the morning. Friend, that is that is not true. Yes, there is a there is an aspect of praise and worship. Our praise and worship time, but but that that, that prepares us. But the reason it prepares us is because it turns and shifts our perspective. Because because God has given us specific instruction for how to come into his presence. Not because he's egotistical, but because he understands that our perspective needs correcting. And your perspective will not be corrected by the preached word. Your perspective gets corrected by the praise that comes out of your mouth. Leah says, this time, I will praise the Lord. you don't believe me, check this out. Psalm chapter 100, verses 4 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Nothing will bring us into an awareness of God's presence more quickly than praise. More quickly than worshiping God. And praise will combat the discouragement by restoring our confidence. If God did it for me, then he'll do it for me. If I can look around and I, and look what the next verse says. The next verse says, For the, lo- for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues Through all generations I start surveying all the things That I'm going to give God praise for And I start looking around and I say wait a second If God is that good Then I can trust him this time And if God said I am strong Then I am strong And if God said I can do all things Then I can do all things And if God said he will come through for me I can trust that he'll come through for me Because he came through for me here And I start praising God And I start bringing up all of these reminders Of God's faithfulness and his goodness And I start looking around and I start saying, you know what? I don't have to be discouraged Because God is good Praise will shift your perspective Some of you are so negative in your life Because you don't know how to praise And I'm just kind of coming to a realization I don't want to be around negative people I don't want to be around Debbie Downers <laughs> Sorry, Sam's I don't even know I just had to make up a god. Hope tells us on the worship band this all the time She says Praise is the entryway into the presence of God. If you don't don't bring your boarding pass, you don't get on the plane. You don't get past the gate if you don't have your ticket. Well, praise is your ticket. Praise is your ticket to get on the plane to go to the destination that God wants to take you. Leah says, this time I will praise the Lord because my situation doesn't have to change for my praise to increase. My husband may not love me. He may never love me, but this time I'll praise God. I'll praise him in the process. I'll praise him for every promise. Sometimes you have to praise God in advance for things that will only make sense in reverse. Sometimes you got to, I had a pastor one time say, sometimes you've got to praise God on credit. <laughs> you've got to praise God in advance for things that when you get there and you look back and you say, oh yeah, he was faithful. And I just went ahead and started giving him praise for his faithfulness. Now, I'm going to to praise God in every predicament because if I'm a person of praise, I can find a reason to praise. Once I have made the decision to be a person of praise, then no matter what happens to me, I can find a reason to praise. And when I find a reason to praise, my perspective gets shifted. Leah says, this time, this time, this time. I'm not going to live in last time. I'm not going to live in Reuben and Simeon and Levi. I'm going to live in this time. This time I will praise the Lord. Did you know that praise is a weapon? It's a weapon that brings victory to you. If you go through the Old Testament, you'll see that that when the the, the children of Israel, when they would march out to to, to battle, to fight, those of you who are in military, this makes no sense to you. They would send send the tribe of Judah first because Judah prays, right? And they would praise the Lord in front of the battle because they knew if I praise God before the battle, he'll ensure victory in the battle. Praise, praise is is, is a weapon that brings victory. And it's not, listen, it's not just finding like a a, a, a praise because God, like when when things are good. Like anybody can tip their hat to God when things are going their way, okay? It's finding a Jesus praise that kills the spider by replacing everything bad with something better. Because praise is the entryway into the presence of God. So I'm going to replace everything bad in my life with the presence of God. Because praise scrambles the signal of discouragement. Listen, listen to this. I want you to see this. We're almost finished. You're wondering, like, how much longer we're going to go? Literally, this, this is it right here. Well, actually, i got two more. This one and one more thing. <laughs> because you got to hear the last thing, okay? This is one of your minds going to be blown. But I want you to see this. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. And, and if you know the story, you already know where I'm going, okay? So just help me get there. Every, they, they have every reason to be discouraged. They've been arrested for preaching the gospel. They've been stripped. They've been humiliated. They've been beaten by the guards. Their, their, their hands and feet are in chains and stocks. They've been, their reputation has been slandered. Their very lives are in jeopardy. And look what they do. Verse 25, Acts chapter 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And then suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Hallelujah. How, how, do you, how do you defeat discouragement? I want you to see this. I want you to see this. How do you defeat discouragement? The same praise that brings you into the presence of God is the same praise that will bring you out of discouragement. It's the same praise. The same praise that brings you into the presence of God has the power to bring you out of your dejection, out of your disappointment, out of your discouragement. It's not a magic trick. It's not if you get in there and you say, thank you, Jesus, 30 times for 30 days, like everything will work out for you and you'll lose 30 pounds over Thanksgiving. (laughs) Ain't going to happen. But here's what it means. No matter what your situation looks like, no matter how bad it gets, you have a secret passageway out of discouragement. And it's called praise. Praise isn't about living, praise isn't about living in denial. It's choosing to see your situation from a higher perspective. Come on. It's choosing to see your, your, your situation from a higher vantage point. Here's the last thing I said. You have to hear this and you'll understand why. Because this is when it all comes together. Leah says, This time, this time I will praise the Lord. She names the kid Judah. Fast forward with me hundreds of years later. God is searching the earth, right? He's looking for someone to birth the baby who would become the savior of the world. He's surveying all of of Israel. He's looking. He's saying, who am I going to choose? I'm ready to step into 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 the life of humanity. I'm going to be born of a virgin. I'm going to be laid in a manger, and I'm going to be adopted by a guy named Joseph chooses this family, Mary and Joseph. And when you look at Joseph's family tree and you start going back generations, generation, 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 do you know who Joseph's umpteenth great-grandfather was? A guy named Judah. Listen to me. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this this morning. Don't let what you expected keep you From what God wants you to experience. Leah had no idea that she was going to give birth and say, you know what? This time I'm going to praise. She had no idea when she made that decision to praise God in spite of her circumstances that God was going to do the impossible through that family line and that the Savior of the world, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, he's not the tribe of Levi, he's not the tribe of Reuben, he's not the tribe of Simeon, he's of the tribe of Judah because this time I will praise the Lord. Listen to me. You you have no idea the plans God has for you. You have no idea. God has plans for you that you know nothing about right now. And if he always met you at your level of your expectation, he would never be able to exceed your expectation. So sometimes, you know what? Yeah, he's got he's to take us down paths that seem to lead nowhere. And sometimes he's got to take us to the next level in him by digging down deeper. But if we will have the attitude that Leah has that says, you know what, this time I will praise the Lord. You have no idea what will happen. You might give birth to the change that you've all been looking for. So, how do you beat the spider of discouragement? Birth the baby. You got to give birth to the baby. You hear me this morning? You got to give birth to the baby. Some of y'all been holding on to your praise for too long because you're waiting for your situation to change, you're waiting for your circumstance to shift. And God saying, No, no, you got to give birth to that baby you got to be like Leah and say, you know what? This time, I will praise the Lord. Let me pray for you this morning. God. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story.